The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Welcome everybody to our very first summer schedule Sunday. We're glad that you're here while we're meeting in here. Uh, our youth are meeting upstairs. We've got our children uh, in full uh, uh, go mode. Traditions is going strong in the chapel. And uh, we've got services coming up for uh, Batania and our Marshallese, our deaf congregations meeting right now as well for that matter. We're glad that all of you are here in the main service and we want to just welcome you, welcome everybody who's watching online. Uh, we just appreciate your faithfulness, all that you do to be a part of BCA. You know, uh, Lisa and I are having an exciting week. We're watching our two grandchildren and uh, this is very exciting. Uh, Lily is one and a half, Rowan's a little over four. And they're full of energy. How many uh, have uh, grandchildren or children that are uh, young? And so we're having a whale of a time. In fact, I just realized, I checked Rowan in. I haven't worn one of these bracelets for quite some time. <laughs> and if I get buzzed, you guys are just going to have to sit and wait for me because I'm going to have to run to the children's center and then run back and see what's going on. But uh, we're just, uh, we so appreciate all of our children's workers. Let's give our children's workers a big hand. <laughs> appreciate them so very, very much. Our uh, oldest son, uh, Reggie, and uh, his wife, Rachel, are uh, celebrating their 10-year wedding anniversary, so we're excited for them, and that allows us to watch our grandkids, and we've told the parents, you do not have to come back. Just stay. Stay wherever you're going, and uh, that way we get more time with these grandkids, so very, very exciting. I want to say a brief word before uh, we dive into Psalm 23 here today. Uh, as we get to August, we're going to be really, really ramping up, uh, getting excited and ready for the fall. Right now, it's the summer, and uh, I want you to just take time to relax, refresh. When you're here in town, make sure you're in church. Uh, when you're away, catch us online, either on Sunday or later in the week, um, and just really enjoy the summer. Rest, relax, refresh, all of those wonderful things. But as we get ready for the fall, I want you to be thinking about two things. Where am I going to serve, and what group am I going to be a part of? Uh, I want you to develop your elevator talk so when I ask you and I see you and ask you, you know, where are you serving and what group you're in, you'll have an answer. Now, the good news for you, if you develop an elevator talk for our elevator, you've got about an hour and a half. It takes that long uh, to go up. So that's good news. But I want you to really be thinking, where can I serve? God has gifted every one of us for ministry. Can I have a big amen to that? Sometimes we kind of overlook some of those scriptures and move on to others, but God wants to use you. And that's great news. If you're new to BCA, you're wondering how to get involved, am I needed, is there a place for me? The answer is yes, 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 and yes. We want you to be a part. You can volunteer online, even though it's not quite the fall, and uh, get ready for that. Of course, there's a lot of ministries here this summer. And then 
if you're willing to lead or co-lead a group or simply be a part of a group, we want you to be thinking about that as well. If I could be king for a day, it'd be 100% of people involved in serving and in groups. So be thinking about that, praying about that. We'll talk about it as we get closer to uh, August. We've been in this series in the 23rd Psalm, and it's just a powerful, powerful psalm. One of the best-known, most well-known scriptures in all the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Today I want to talk about how God restores our soul. You ever been run down, depleted, exhausted at the end of your rope? Anybody out there besides me? Yeah, just depleted, exhausted, worn out, worn down. Isn't it good news to know that Jesus promises to restore us? to refresh us, to renew us, to re-energize us. I got up uh, early as I do on Sunday and I try to get into the office uh, early to run through my sermon a few times, to pray and, and uh, those kinds of things, get ready for the day. And I went out and wouldn't you know it, my car had a dead battery. Not part of the game plan for Sunday morning. Got out the jumper cables, hooked them up to my wife's car, got things recharged, started up, made my way in. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, of all the days, why on a Sunday? And I thought, well, Jesus knew I needed a better sermon illustration today. <laughs> because sometimes our spiritual batteries get run down. Our emotional batteries, our relational batteries, you know, our mental batteries get run down. And we kind of are, are barely making it. And the fact that in this 23rd Psalm, David reminds us that he restores our soul is a powerful, powerful reality. Sometimes it feels like, you know, a new king has taken over our life. You know, that king's name is ambiguity or, or uncertainty or, or worry or anxiety or fear. And it can just take over our life. And if we're not careful, we can, we can lose sight of, of our processes and, and, and what's really important and, and even lose sight of the providence of God and the goodness in other people. And it can really create a fog and we can drift off course, we can be derailed. Maybe you are in that situation today where you are just run dry, you are running out of steam. You need to be recharged, you need to be restored. You need to be re-energized. The dictionary says to be restored is to bring back, to reinstate. And there are many wonderful scriptures in the Bible that talk to us about being restored. I want to give you just a few of them here as we get started. The Lord upholds all who, who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. He upholds those who fall. Restore, Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore me. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll get recharged. They'll get restored. Their strength will be restored. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Job 42.10, and Job had prayed for his friends. The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. The Lord restored his fortunes. 1 Peter 5.10 says, and the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I want us to think for a little while here today about how God restores us. 
And one of the things that I want to start by saying is it really starts by us remembering these five things. This week I was just sitting back and reflecting on some of my study through the years on the theology of remembering and how important it is to remember and to show gratitude and express appreciation for the goodness of God. And these are five things we need to remember as we work our way through life and we find ourselves a little depleted, a little bit de-energized, a little bit worn out, a little bit at the end of our rope. What are these five things we need to remember? The first thing I want to encourage you to remember, especially when times are tough, is that he retrieves us. Think about the retrieval work of God. In Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 7, we read about the parable of the lost sheep. Of course, Psalm 23 is a shepherd's psalm, and we, we have been talking a lot about shepherds and sheep, and, and uh, there's so much to say about that. But I want you to notice what Luke 15, 3 says. Jesus told him a parable, and it says, suppose one of you have 100 sheep, and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 and go after the one? And when he finds the one, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls all of his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Now I want you just to think about this, this little story. Jesus follows it up with a story about a missing coin and then a missing son. But just think about the sheep since we're talking about the shepherd's psalm. Something in this story is missing, and it really matters greatly to somebody. One sheep missing, 99 are saved. Something's missing. That thing that is missing requires an all-out search. The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and looks high and low to find the one that was lost. And once that one that was lost is found, there is great rejoicing. Retrieval brings great rejoicing. That, friends, is a picture of what Jesus thinks about you, what Jesus has done for you. If you have been found by Christ, you've committed your life to him, you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, you're a servant of the king, then that story is about you. You were lost, but now you're found. Can I hear a big amen? How many are thankful that you've been retrieved? Jesus cares. Others would say, well, I got 99, that's good enough. Jesus focuses on the one that's lost. You, me. Retrieval brings great rejoicing. I read a story not too long ago that just made my heart sink. A family was out camping, they had a little toddler, I forget the age, maybe three, and somehow the little toddler drifted away and they lost their toddler. And nightfall hit, and they were searching high and low and couldn't find the little lad during the evening. And, and uh, you know, I think it was the next day and the next night. I think it was like a two-night thing. And they were out searching, and finally it was the next morning. You know, a search team was looking, and someone seemingly had eyes in the back of their head. And they either saw or sensed a little flash, and they looked around, and the little guy was going through a clearing from one densely wooded area to another densely wooded area and he was saved. I didn't know the people, uh, but I sure felt the story. You know, with uh, little grandkids, it's like, wow! I mean, could anything worse happen? And, and they found the little one, and there was a great celebration, and I was doing a dance, uh, you know, in the, whatever room I was in, just, you know, to hear how the story ended. Retrievals bring rejoicing. 
Don't ever let yourself minimize how much rejoicing happened in heaven when you came to Christ. When you said yes, all of heaven conducted a ticker tape parade. Great celebration. In Psalm 119, verse 176, it says, I have strayed like a lost sheep. We all have strayed. You matter to Jesus. Remember that. It will recharge your batteries. It will restore your soul. It will renew your spirit when you run dry. The second thing is he redeems us. This is different than retrieval. Look at what it says in Isaiah 53. As we read the shepherd's psalm, we read a little more about sheep. It says, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Jesus Christ came for the purpose of dying for your sins and mine. Let's say a big amen to that. He came to die for our sins. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. By those wounds in his hands and feet and that spear in his side, that crown of thorns, by what Christ endured, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way, but the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. God laid my sin on Jesus. God laid your sin on Jesus. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. We have all gone astray. But God in his great love and compassion and empathy sent his only son, his only, only son, to this earth to die on the cross for you. Remember that when you're at your low. Remember that when you're exhausted. Remember that when you're overwhelmed. Remember, not only did he retrieve you, but he came with the purpose, the extent purpose of dying, sacrificing his all for you. As you've heard me say, uh, we, uh, for those that are new, you haven't heard this, but a couple of months ago, my wife and I led a trip to the Holy Land. And one of the things that uh, just jumps out to my mind every time I see this is we made our way around various stages of the cross. And whether or not those are the exact places where Jesus carried the cross could be debated, but there's no debating Jesus carried a cross. There's no debate that Jesus went to a place called Mount Calvary and he was crucified there. We made our way to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is a location that... Uh, many believe is, is where Jesus was crucified. In fact, if you take a, a look at, here's the Stations of the Cross, take a look at the next slide and you'll see a picture of the Holy Sepulcher. And many say, you know, this is where Golgotha would have been. Of course, it's covered by a church, a little hard to visualize. But others think it was another place or maybe a third place. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure what it, where it was, but I am sure that it was. Jesus Christ came for the purpose of dying on the cross for me. Take a look at this cross. What comes to your mind? I can tell you what comes to your mind, the same thing that comes to my mind. Oh, what love. Oh, what compassion. Why would he value me so much? Why would he care so much about me? And when I remember that, I find a recharging, a renewal, a rejuvenation, a restoration happening because I 
once again remember how much Jesus loves me and how much he loves you. And it restores my soul. It inspires me. He also renews us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we read about the story that Paul shares about the thorn in the flesh. And we're not exactly sure what that thorn was. There's a lot of different thoughts. But we know that it was something that was very difficult for him to experience and deal with. And it was something that ran him down and was difficult and uh, put him in a position where he needed to be restored and recharged and renewed. And he tells us here that Jesus spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul says, okay, I understand that there's purpose in suffering. He says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, my difficulties, my challenges, my pain, my struggles. I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. He goes on, I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. Because when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Because the power of God is made manifest in my life in such a profound way. In this life, we struggle with the theology of suffering. Most, most, most people, even most Christians, really, really struggle. And I get it. It's hard. We think, you know, we're going through a really hard time, therefore there's no really virtue in it, there's no purpose in it. But we read over and over and over again that there's purpose in suffering. And one of those purposes is to realize that Jesus Christ is more than sufficient to give me all the strength I need to make it through. He will renew me. He will restore me. He will rejuvenate me. When my spiritual batteries are down, he will recharge me. One of my favorite scriptures on this is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. It's just a potent, potent scripture that talks about purpose in suffering. Remember what it says? Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed. We're being restored. We're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, compared to all eternity, we may have an illness for 25 years, but compared to all eternity, Paul reminds us it's light and momentary. These troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs whatever we deal with in this earth. Heaven is going to be so much greater. How many are looking for heaven someday? How many are excited about heaven? That is our future. That is our hope. That is our assurance. So we fix our eyes not on what is, un, what is seen, Paul says, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's meaning in suffering. When we rely on Christ and his strength, there is power evidenced in our life and in our circumstances. That not only brings glory to God, but rejuvenates us. I don't have time to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, but I wanted to give this to those of you that are going through a really hard time right now. And that's a lot of people. You're going through a really, really, really hard time. I want to draw you to 
uh, another favorite passage of mine, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And you see just three different points that jump out from that passage. Why do we suffer? Why do we go through hard things? It's not without purpose. It's not without meaning. Jesus wants to redeem and renew us through our suffering. That's a challenge because that requires we're going to the Lord, we're looking to the Lord, we're counting on the Lord, we're trusting in the Lord to give us the strength and the power that we need to make it through whatever it is we're dealing with. Why do we deal with problems in this life? Paul says, verse 4, so we can comfort other people. As we work through it with the power of Christ, we have a testimony to share with others and encourage them. Who best to be an encouragement to others than someone who has received the help of God to go through the very thing themselves? God wants to use you to be a blessing to other people as you continue to look to him and migrate through whatever it is you're going through. Secondly, so we can learn to rely on Christ, not ourselves. You know what's true about every single one of us in this room? We are control freaks. How many agree with that? In fact, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are a control freak. Go ahead and do that. Some of you have been wanting to do that for a long time. I'm a control freak. I want to kind of control everything I can possibly control. You're a control freak. But you know what? The reality is there are many times in life where we need to say, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. But I'm at the very beginning of you. I don't know where to turn except for to you. There's nothing I can do about this situation except rely on you. Moses wasn't able to part the sea all by himself. He needed God. The gentleman who had been an invalid for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda wasn't able to get into the water by himself. He needed God. There are many times in our life that we need God. And he is always there. He is always faithful. He's always faithful. He will renew us. He will renew us how and where we need it most. And fourthly, he'll repair us. I love to combine this idea with the word prepare. He repairs and prepares us. Every single person in this room right now, everybody listening online, everybody in the chapel, Every single one of us in all of our services here today are broken people. Welcome to the fellowship of broken people. In fact, I think we'll rename our church that. How does that sound? <laughs> Every one of us are broken. And if you don't think you are, you are. <laughs> we're broken mentally, we're broken emotionally, we're you know, broken relationships, broken experiences. We're all broken. But fortunately, we serve a Savior who's in the mending and repairing work. He heals us. He, he restores us. He, he remakes us. He refashions us. And one of the most powerful ways that he restores us is by repairing and preparing us through Scripture. There's no po more powerful way for us to be built up in our faith than to be students of the Word of God every single day. Now, how many of you ever have to recharge your phone? You know, this thing you got in your pocket or your purse, whatever. Uh, how often do you need to do that? You know, at least every day. 
uh, you know, I have a little routine, I'm sure, just like many of you. You know, I, I, I go to uh, bed at night, I, uh, I, I plug in my phone, it gets recharged overnight, I uh, plug in my watch, it gets plugged in overnight. There's all sorts of things to plug in so that it's ready in the morning. If I don't plug it in, it's not going to be ready in the morning. I need to be daily in the Word of God. So I can be recharged spiritually, so I know how to think, how to act, so I can be prepared for very difficult situations. If I don't do the preparation, I'm going to be caught short and I'm going to be left like a sitting duck for whatever comes my way. Sometimes there are hard things that require that we're built up in our faith. You say, you know, I'm new to this, I'm not sure quite where to start. Let me invite you to join me on Facebook. Every day on Facebook, I do just a brief devotional every morning. I'm walking through the book of Mark right now and just sharing a real brief thought from, from my personal uh, devotional time. And uh, I'd love to have you to join in. Very, very simple, very, very brief. But it might be a place to start. Others of you have uh, great plans and systems where you're in the Word. But, but I want to challenge you. It is not a difficult thing to be in God's word every single day. Not as a step of legalism, but as a way to recharge, to be restored. The word of God will repair us and then prepare us. The Greek word for equip is a word that means repair and prepare. And the word of God equips us, the Bible says, for every good work. The word of God equips us. In fact, that Greek word is a word that's used uh, in ancient medical practices uh, when a doctor would set a bone, you know, prepare, you know, repair a broken bone. It was also used by uh, fishermen in their trade where they would mend a net, you know, repair or prepare a net. You know, you're going to be more ambulatory if you can kind of get re prepared and uh, repaired and prepared with that broken leg bone. Uh, similarly, if you want to be a, a great fisherman, you want to get that hole all mended and prepared and uh, repaired so you can get back out there and catch all those fish. God wants to repair and prepare us mentally and spiritually and emotionally, and it requires regular, daily feasting on the Word of God, memorizing, meditating on the Word of God. When I think of this, so many scriptures come to mind, but let me give you uh, three passages that I often think of, and you see kind of the, the symmetry of the numbers there on the screen, and for some of you who haven't really seen this before, it'll be a great memory device for you. You know, Psalm 1, Psalm 19, Psalm 119. You know, each of these psalms talk a lot about the importance of scripture how God wants to use his word to repair us and prepare us. Look at Psalm 1, just a couple of highlights. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, but sit in the company of mockers. Or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That's the person who's going to be like a tree planted by Streams of water which yields its fruit in season, who, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Do you want to prosper? You want to be recharged, restored, rejuvenate, fruitful, productive, purposeful in life? Anchor deep daily in God's word. 
If your phone needs to be recharged, friend, your spirit needs to be recharged. Your mind needs to be recharged. Your emotional life needs to be recharged. Can I hear a big amen out there? We need to be recharged every single day. Look at Psalm 19. This is such a powerful scripture, especially verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. There it is. Refreshing, restoring, rejuvenating, recharging the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. It goes on to say the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the, uh, to the heart, uh, giving light to the eyes. It helps us endure and helps us be righteous. The word of God is precious, sweeter than honey, and keeping them is great reward. All Psalm 19. The word of God is so powerful. And then finally, Psalm 119. The the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Let me just pull out a couple of phrases. I rejoice in following your statutes. I delight in your decrees. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. 105, your word is a lamp. It's a light. I love your commands, verse 127. I love your precepts, verse 129. The word of God to the psalmist was so, so powerful. And it is for you and me here today. So read, ponder, and obey. Read, ponder, and obey. Every single day, be in the word of God. You have so much other information coming at you and it's not all good. How many know it's not all good? Uh, Social media this and news that and this. There's just so much input that is not really, you need to filter it with the word of God. You need to repair and prepare your mind, your heart, your emotions, your spirit with the word of God on a regular, regular daily basis. Read, ponder, obey. Read, ponder, obey every single day. Finally, he reconciles us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And it goes on to say that we're Christ's ambassadors. And Christ has called us to be his representative to a lost and dying world. We need to ask ourselves regularly, how well am I doing at being that bridge to people who are far from God? God wants to use me to restore people to him. God has reconciled me to him. He wants to lead others to him. But there's another part of reconciliation that I want us to think about under this point. There is nothing more debilitating, uh, defeating, exhausting, painful than relational pain. Think about that. See if you agree with that. If you're estranged from your spouse, if you're estranged from your children, if you're estranged from your parents, if you're estranged from other people that mean a lot to you, that will run your battery down quicker than almost anything. Just relational conflict, relational hurt, relational pain. And one of the ways I believe God restores us is by reminding us that he wants to heal those broken relationships and he wants to build us up to the point where we can be that bridge that precipitates the healing, brings on the healing. Who are you estranged from right now? What relational conflict are you experiencing right now? Today, marriages are struggling parent-child, child-parent relationships are, are feeling the strain. 
There's relationships you have with people at work, in your neighborhood, at school, you know, the various places where you know people, meet people. Romans 12 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, I love this verse, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. So what is my responsibility? What is my opportunity to build bridges? Ephesians 4 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I shared this verse, Mark eleven twenty-five, in one of my devotionals here this week. You know this verse, it says, so when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Another version of this verse says, if you stand praying and you're at aught with a brother, stop praying and go make it right. And then come back and keep praying. In other words, broken relationships can lead to mitigating prayer, mitigated praying. It can minimize, it can hurt our prayers if we are having conflict, if we're out of bounds, out of sorts with someone near us. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Colossians 3.13. As we pray in just a moment, I want to pray for relationships. I want to pray for broken relationships. But the point I want to make right here, right now, is God can restore those broken relationships. God can mend our broken hearts. In fact, I want to close with this thought, kind of a bonus R word. If we want to find the restoration of God, the most important, the most important, encompasses all these others, is the word relationship. Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. I don't know if there's anything that moves me more than seeing people find Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's nothing that moves me more. If I'm watching a movie and someone comes to Christ, if some, you know, I hear a story, I, I just begin to get all choked up. There's just nothing more meaningful and moving in all the world to me than for people to authentically meet Jesus as their Lord and Savior and come to faith in Christ. God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for your sins and mine. He's made the first move. Now the second move is up to you and me. Will we receive him as our Lord and Savior? Many of you here have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and your sins have been forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. What a beautiful, beautiful story. But maybe you're here today and this is all kind of new to you. The Bible says we're sinners and we need a Savior. But God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to take our place and pay for our sins. And we can be forgiven by accepting Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Would you consider doing that today? Saying, Lord, I want to be forgiven. I want to go to heaven one day.
My wife and I just returned from a trip to Hawaii where we celebrated her 60th birthday and our 38th wedding anniversary. And it was something that uh, I was really excited to plan and uh, honor her. There's no one more important in all the world to me than her. So blessed that God has given me such an incredible wife, and I love her with all of my heart. But I know there are a lot of people who don't quite have that wonderful story that I do, who have been hurt by people, who've uh, experienced divorce, who've been abandoned been rejected by others and I just want to remind you of something you already know and that is Jesus will never divorce you he will never ever abandon you he will never ever hurt you he will never ever leave you he will always be close to you but you need to receive him as your personal savior he won't force himself on you. He's done everything he possibly can to woo you. It's now your move. I invite you to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Lord, we bow our hearts and heads in prayer and we say thank you. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for loving us so, so, so much. For restoring us by by retrieving us and redeeming us and, and, and renewing us and reconciling us and, and inviting us into a personal, ongoing, growing relationship. It's overwhelming to think about how much you love us, Lord. And that in and of itself restores and renews and rejuvenates me and, and, and remakes me from the inside out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, how many would be here today and say, Pastor, would you pray for me in this closing time? I'm going through a time right now where I have a, a personal relationship with another person that is conflictual, it's, it's problematic, it's painful. And I'm just going to raise my hand right now. Would you remember me in prayer? Would you do that all over this place? There's a relational, painful, hurtful situation or of one kind or another. Maybe it's in the past, maybe it's in the present. Yeah, God bless you. Many, many hands. You can put your hands down. How many would raise your hand to this next question and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Today, I want a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've known him in the past and fallen away and you want to renew that commitment. Or maybe you're making a faith commitment for the very first time. Would you raise your hand? Every head bow, every eye closed, no one looking around. Just hold your hand high. Hold your hand high. God bless you. God, you see each and every hand. You know each and every person intimately. You know us, God. You know us. You call us by name. You love us more than we could ever imagine. I pray, God, that you will redeem and heal those broken relationships. And I pray, God, for those that have raised their hands saying, I want to commit my life to Jesus, that, God, you will flood their life, forgive them of their sin, and set them on a new pathway of living daily for you. Heal our relationships with others. God, we pray powerfully and, and heal our relationship with you. Bring us into a relationship with you, God. I pray your blessing on every single person that's here today. 
rejuvenate, recharge, restore the ones who are kind of a little overwhelmed right now. Help us find purpose and meaning in our suffering. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I invite you to stand. Our prayer team's going to come forward. Our uh, pastors are going to close our services and traditions and online. We're going to sing a closing song. And I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. Maybe you want to stand in for that relationship. Maybe you want to stand in for someone near and dear to you that needs special prayer. If you've committed your life to Jesus today, would you come and tell somebody about it here? We want to pray a prayer of victory with you. God bless you. Let's sing together.